You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos. I hate calling myself that. And underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Hello and welcome to Delirious Nomads, the Blacklight Media podcast where we talk about music, heavy metal, we used to talk about other things, but now we just talk about heavy metal. Um, I am here with a very good friend of mine. Unfortunately, no Chris Santos again this week, but I'm here with a very dear friend of mine, um, Matthias Bloodhorn of Circular Wave, was a guy who was a major marketing guy for major labels for years and has now started his own label, Circular Wave, which I've done a bunch of work with. It's a really cool label doing some really fun, interesting hard rock stuff, especially focused in the German market, but going internationally. How are you today, Matthias? Oh, thanks for having me, and thanks for the great introduction, Matt. I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. Uh, and this time I did have a weekend, which I didn't have last week, because I had a lot of accounting stuff to do, which belongs to the not-so-pleasant part of uh, running a label. <laughs> Indeed. So talk, let's talk about running a label, because there's a lot of interesting things here, because it's not just a label. You're also doing sort of marketing services, you know, and there's a Metal Blade connection that I want to talk about for a minute uh, when we get there. But what was the inspiration behind starting Circular Wave? Yeah, where do I start? Uh, the inspiration probably emerged not all of a sudden, but over the last, let's say, three to four years, I would say. Um, together with my founding partner, Ben, who is kind of the A&R expert. I'm rather the marketing slash product guy. So we we discovered we we share a lot of opinions when it comes to the overall music market uh, in general, and especially when it uh, comes to how artists from our favorite genre, which I would describe as rock alternative metal, if you will, how, how they can tackle the evolving surrounding they are in, in in today's market. And we had the feeling that at the major companies and also at the bigger independent companies, there was less and less space and attention for, for our beloved genre. <laughs> and we pretty much would like to prioritize the quality approach 
because it takes a lot of attention and creativity and it basically technically takes years many years to develop guitar based music so that it can potentially become successful so there's hardly any overnight success so it's n almost never sufficient just to push a few buttons and th and then see things explode it, it just wouldn't happen and this dedication of, of of being there every day almost and 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 over a longer period of time developing plans executing plans together with artists that became less and less doable i would say at a lot of uh, repertoire companies because many of them follow this uh, guideline like let's collect as many repertoire under a roof as possible and try to standardize many procedures and, and and how we bring the product out there and it just doesn't work for rock alternative metal bands and we wanted to be there for those bands and thought there there should be a market actually if nobody's going the quality route anymore let's try to do that absolutely and how has that development been we always talked about okay so we have total freedom now so how do we do that and yeah. uh, of course we need a financial background because we, we want to invest and we need to invest so we had a lot of conversations like how do we structure our, our position in the market and pretty soon came to the conclusion like okay let's let's put it into this formula like we're there with an independent spirit and almost major background when it comes to the question, can we finance a project? And that was always important to both Ben and me, that we can't just do it with a very, very tiny steps. Some labels are forced to do it because they don't have the financial background. So we wanted to be able to, to work with relevant artists on a relevant level even though it was pretty clear that at least for the beginning stages, we would probably start with uh, newcomers, sure. first of all. And that's totally fine. Yeah, and, and, and Ben and me, we work very well together because he has his skills in a field where my focus is not so much and vice versa. We couldn't do it without the other one from both perspectives. And that's that's what's great about the two of us working together. I like that. So, okay, so I want to just touch on this real fast. Because you talked about like, okay, you feel like there's certain things that the sort of the, the mainstream, or rather the larger labels don't really grasp about rock marketing. And you were talking about the, you know, they're kind of just trying to collect IP, but they're not really like trying to develop that IP, basically, right? That's a general trend, probably more or less regardless of the genre. There's more this attitude like... Uh, Artists need to be developed until a certain level, which is pretty high, actually, before a major company could get interested and, and start a collaboration. And of course, we also have this attitude in a certain way, like we need to see that an artist is actively building his own career. So we, we can help but we can't do everything for the artist. So it's all, always the right balance in this field. But the way we witness it uh, with, with, a, with a lot of labels, especially the major labels, uh, for, for, for rock metal artists was almost prohibitive in some cases. 
especially taking into account that the uh, most important currency became streaming, which is reasonable in a way. But lots of rock alternative metal artists, even the more modern thinking ones, they live in, in, in a hybrid scenario. They hopefully at least want to go for building their digital profile and building their streams. But on the other hand, they are still, in a way, an analog artist by playing live, by selling merchandise, by having fans who are still interested, at least in many territories, at least in Germany, being interested in, in physical product. I mean, probably a little more the vinyl now than the CD, but just looking at the streaming figures doesn't help those artists. Sometimes, and I've seen that, I've, I've, I've seen artists getting a no from a major label, even though they are on a very high revenue level in their career, but they just had a very small digital percentage in, in their revenues, which sometimes was or is sufficient to just be left out. Yeah, it's crazy to see, isn't it? Because there's definitely people who I think, like you see these big labels who just aren't taking advantage of vinyl, right? And to me, it's like, okay, so I appreciate that streaming is less work for you, right? But like, what the fuck? You're leaving a lot of money on the table. Like the really good example, I think I sent you an article about this, is uh, Kate Bush. Yeah. Right? And essentially the point of the article was like, you know, it's cool that Kate Bush got a moment again in the sun because she's so cool and yada, 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 whatever. Good for her. But all things considered, what the fuck? There was no box set retrospective. There was like, she was the conversation. She had the song of the summer 30 years after it came out or whatever. Absolutely. It was one of the standout no stories of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, and I feel like so many of the big labels just don't do this. They just, they don't think like, oh, like, cool. Like we, you know, we have around a distribution deal. We made like however many million dollars. That's sick. But why don't we just make another, you know, they could have quadrupled that money if not more, by doing the sort of creepy 80s themed box set that had a Stranger Things vibe. Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy to me that that stuff doesn't happen and it consistently doesn't happen. Yeah, and uh, I, I see a big difference between the territories and uh, not. I'm not saying that everything runs smoothly uh, from that perspective in Germany, but if you take a look at the major labels catalog departments in Germany, they still have a very attentive eye on on what might be left on the table and what new versions they could create with old content. They, they tend to do that a lot. In other territories, probably less, because physical so much been on the decline that at least new stuff staff coming into the company, they just don't know the physical game anymore sometimes. They never grew up with it. Yeah. Which, again, is like, what? So what do you see as the future of rock labels? For the foreseeable future, I would say it's exactly that, uh, to, to think in a hybrid way. Um, make it easy and attractive and fun for existing fan base and new fans to follow the band on all digital paths possible and stream the hell out of them. <laughs> Of the, out of the albums and singles being released. But at the same time, and especially that holds true for the old existing fan base, at the same time, make interesting offers with physical product in terms of 
music, merch, or, or other things, or combinations of, of, of that. Um, and the more you have, uh, the more you can play with it and, and create interesting things like gamification and reward ideas. Like you could think of installing uh, incentives, like uh, if, if a song is streamed that much, then we... I don't know. Then we create a new edition just for the fans. I mean, there there are so many possible mechanics that it's 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 easy to to go wild with this. But um, I think there are many ways to to get the best out of both worlds. I would say, and I always say like I, I don't need to command the customer where he or she wants to spend the dollar if they want to spend the dollar on the Spotify Premium subscription. Fine. If they want to spend the dollar on purchasing a vinyl or other collectibles or stuff like that, also fine. And if they do both, then it's exactly what we were trying to do. Yeah, I think that's a big piece of it. Is and, and something I always try to do is make the digital experience have a physical component. Yeah. I love doing stuff like, I don't know, if you show you did something digitally, you get a free sticker. Because mm -hmm. stickers are cool because they're like, they're easy. You know, you can get a sticker for $10 or, you know, you can get a thousand stickers for not a ton of money and start to give them away and make them an exclusive thing. You know, and I feel like that's sort of an activation that makes people start to feel like, oh, I have something exclusive, but it wasn't something exclusive that made that you had to suffer to get. Absolutely. And addressing people, the analog physical ways become so rare that you really cut through the clutter when you do it so you, you really stand out because people are so surprised because they would have never expected to receive something physically that it it leaves a much deeper trace in the brain yeah to put it from a marketing psychology perspective which is what's really funny to me because i feel like people don't nobody wants to admit that it feels so i don't want to say primitive but it feels kind of silly to be excited about a physical thing. Do you know what I mean? But we are. Yeah, I mean, but we can be as modern as possible. And, well, it's, it's a totally new debate, the whole metaverse thing, which you also kind of read in the media. So, like, how many hours a day will people want to spend in virtual environments? Blah, blah, blah. But... We can be very modern, open-minded, curious for new adventures, and, and I like that. But we will hopefully not change to be physical beings. I mean, biological, physical beings. So we are not digital. We can interact with the digital elements. Yes, we can. But we live in an analog world. But many people would, would already believe you're a total... 1990s guy by, by by saying so not being able to pursue new avenues because you just speak something like that out loud but as i said you you can be as modern as hell but you will still be a human being with blood and flesh and everything and that's where the haptic element comes in when you can touch something it's just a different experience than having a VR glasses on and a sea of few pixels moving from left to right. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's the, uh, for the moment, that's the differentiating factor. Now tied into this. So 
you know, something I was talking about with someone today, actually, is this idea that, you know, so right now we're seeing with Blacklight Media, uh, I believe with your label, with Prophecy Productions, we both work with, the cost of vinyl is going up. At least it has been. At the moment, I feel the development is flat. So uh, I hope it at least stays like that. It doesn't get even more expensive. But over the last one or two years, horribly. Yeah. It's not crazy for a single LP to cost, you know, $30. Yes, can easily happen. Which is a lot of money at the end of the day. Absolutely. Do you think the vinyl boom is kind of ending? That's a good question. Because at the moment, there are so many unpleasant factors summing up with the inflation and lots of other things people have to deal with in their everyday lives and also in the macroeconomics companies have to deal with that I think we're pretty much at the edge at, at the moment. Like, can it get more expensive? I don't really believe so. We, are, I, we already experienced that for, for our newcomer bands. So if you, if you calculate the PPD or the consumer price for, for, for a vinyl, if I would calculate the new manufacturing costs and would add the same margin as was done three years before, I would already come to a price point. Many people would not be ready to spend anymore. And I, always, I already try to compromise. So I have to make it a little more expensive than it used to be but I can't do it in the same dimension as the manufacturing costs are rising. And, and even with that compromise, I already realized that at least that holds for newcomers, people become a little hesitant, even with projects, album releases, who have a certain hype out there. It's not so easily anymore. People need to keep their money together. Yeah. So they, they will always think twice. So and, and 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 newcomers will 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 suffer from that even more than established artists. When when I as a rock metal fan have the opportunity, like okay, for the next six months, I have a Slipknot show, and I have three new newcomers I kind of like, and I might be ready to purchase like two vinyls. Then most of the guys will go for the Slipknot ticket plus the Slipknot vinyl. And then maybe there's one ticket or one vinyl left in the budget for all the newcomers they actually would be interested in. That's pretty much how it is in a nutshell, I would say. Yeah. And that's what that's what freaks me out, right? Because it's like, and, and I think that's the other issue that you just touched on is how the live environment is sort of suffering. Yeah, it, it, it really worries me. I mean, <laughs> we as a label are not actually working in the live biz but our partners work in the live biz and it's, it's obviously very important for our artists and it's probably also one of the most sales channels if i just look at it from a very egocentric perspective it still is a problem for me because when when artists are not touring or they are not playing to audiences big enough i, I will see that in my own sales yeah, when I provide CDs, vinyl, sometimes merch, for 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 sales uh, at at the live shows, absolutely. And I'm very very much worried that if these kind of problems don't get lighter in the course of the next year, then I don't. I, I actually don't know what happens. I think many many smaller artists will stop touring totally. Perhaps stop 
manufacturing vinyl or CD and they cut it down to a, I don't know, to a hobby project or, or just quit. Yeah. And that's kind of terrifying to think about and a bummer. It is. Yeah. So at the moment, everybody's waiting for something like a miracle to, to lift it all up again. <laughs> it's, it's really hard just, just with creativity and, and hustling and doing everything you can humanly think of to find your way through this tunnel alive. This is the time when everybody in this business needs to stick together and help each other out. Otherwise, it's getting even darker. Well, that's a really bright note. Is there anything that gives you hope right now in what's going on? I couldn't name an actual tendency, like a light at the end of the tunnel or so. The, <laughs> it's, it sounds a little theoretical, probably, but what gives me hope most is that nature hates a vacuum. And I just cannot believe that too much music slash artists, too many artists are dying off and leave an empty space. I think this might be a dark moment, which happens short term but it will not stay like that for years because as i said nature hates a vacuum and people still love music and there will probably hopefully be ways how to be a mu musician someone working with musicians and, and 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 having a job a business with that i just can't picture people being not interested in in our kind of music anymore or at least not not sufficiently to to pay for it yeah i agree with you very much so is that i think that there's definitely waves in this thing and right now we might be on a downward spiral but i also think it's gonna swoop back up soon enough exactly it won't go down for the next five years uh, i i would call that not possible there you go is there any sort of final thing you want to push before we uh before we wrap up just a call to action for everybody uh, being in the guitar world, let's try to do it like the hip-hop guys did it or started it years ago. Help each other out, feature each other, call, make, make call-outs for each other. So if we give a helping hand to each other, the, the audience for all of us and the attention for all of us will, will get bigger. If everyone tries to do it just, just for, 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 for your own, everybody will stay tiny. <laughs> yeah. Well said. Thank you so much for coming on. Everyone, please go check out Circular Wave, especially if you like metalcore and sort of modern hard rock ideas. Uh, that's kind of what they're rapidly becoming the kings of. Thank you so much, Matthias. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. All right, so that was awesome. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more, and above all, keep it heavy. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, 
um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers, think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. <laughs>